Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, your host. I want to thank our sponsor, Farm to Plate. They're a software company committed to creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. Our guest today is incredible. I can't wait to dive into what his company does because you don't know about it. Just open up your mind to what's actually happening with some of our food that is grown. He is the CEO of the Supplant Company. Welcome, Tom Simmons. Thank you. Great to be here. Hey, Tom. And I say uh, what you do is hidden because I think our audience is going to be just really interested to hear some of the things that are going on in the background with some of the food that is actually produced that we we don't really see arrive at the shelves in the supermarket. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So uh, there's a plant company where we're a food ingredient company. The first ingredient we make is an ingredient to replace sugar, uh, cane sugar across the food system. Um, we're going to do a number of things, but the, the connecting piece that, that connects everything we do is we only ever uh, use as a raw material what we call agricultural side streams. So things like corn cobs, oat hulls, wheat straw, the, the, the stuff that's usually wa- grown on farms but wasted on farms. And we, we, we develop science to make better ingredients from this big uh, renewable resource. And the first thing is an ingredient to replace cane sugar. Amazing. And the whole side stream thing, starting with the science piece of it. I mean, because you didn't really start out with this commercial idea. You started with the science of it. Yeah. So my background is um, sort of fairly conventional academic background. I was almost a decade in academia prior to starting the company. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I was a PhD in Scotland, in Edinburgh. Then I moved to Cambridge, was a postdoc and a fellow. And when I moved to Cambridge, I I knew I was going to be a professor. That was the that was still the plan at that point, and it was only partway through being here in Cambridge I, I, I took a diversion from that. But yeah, I, it was really from the science that I came, and and the science was um, the science of of you know it was plant science. It was carbohydrate science. I was working on the sugars and fibers and carbohydrates in plants, and so it's obviously uh, closely related to to food, plants and fibers and carbohydrates. But the actual the application that we were working on as as academics was really sustainability based things so it's renewable materials renewable fuels renewable chemicals that was sort of what was paying the the, the research grant bills uh, and it was really taking a, a load of well understood uh, science from that space that's related to food but it's outside of the of the of the view of most food scientists and really bringing that across to solve uh, well understood but currently unsolved problems in the food space yeah, which is just a cool way to enter into this space because you just saw some solutions coming up that where there was application. And um, yeah. and uh, I guess you were trying to find somebody to start a business to do this and you were unsuccessful. And so you did it. <laughs> is that how this all happened? Uh, I mean, it was, um, I, I sort of, I decided to start the business before I fully knew what the business was going to do. I have to say, <laughs> I was, I was, I was trying to find things uh, to, to do. And um, um, I, I'd sort of, I was always interested in applied stuff. So even when I thought I was going to be a professor, I wanted to work on, on problems in the real world, if you like, you know, so I was always, even the, the, the renewable materials, renewable fuels thing, that was what attracted me to solve problems. I just, I didn't think I would be on this side of it i thought i'd be in the in the academic world solving the problems and then someone else i guess would go and run away with these things and yeah it uh panned out the way it panned out and i I wouldn't have predicted it in advance (laughs) it's kind of fun well let's let's dive into the resources that you have available to your company because i think our listeners will be really surprised to know some of the numbers of um you know the side streams 
of what you were calling it that you utilized yeah. to uh, to make your pro- your ingredient. And uh, I think they probably don't know what a big number that is. Uh, can you share with us some of the? Yeah, so it's uh, so, so you know, broadly construed, we, we we call these things agricultural side streams. I, I think there is no sort of solid term to describe all these things. It's a lots and lots of different things. You know, as I say, corn cobs and oat hulls and wheat straw and corn stalks and all, all sorts of different raw materials. Um, they are very different in when you look at them and you can you see them and they come from different fields. But actually, on a on a molecular level, on a on a on a biological level, actually very very similar. They're all what a nutritionist would call dietary fiber and they're all the same type of fiber by and large uh, so we sort of group we can group them all together because we can basically use 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 any of these things and that's the first thing to say about it and the, the second thing speaking to what you said about the volume is yeah just the amount of this stuff out there there is there's just huge amounts of this stuff produced all around the world every year on every farm the amount sort of varies depending on the crop but on average there's about twice as much of this you know, waste stuff produced as there is the actual what a farmer typically thinks of as 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 food. So on, uh, so if and it's really obvious if you look at a wheat plant, for example, just how much stalk there is compared to the grain. Uh, and the same thing holds across rice and sh- even sugarcane stalks. There's sort of eighty percent of a sugarcane stalk dry weight is the stalk, and only about twenty percent is the is the sugar. Uh, so yeah, there's we think there's about twice as much of this stuff on the planet every year produced as there is all of the uh grain and bean and sugar and starch and vegetable oil combined there's twice as much of this other stuff so it's really hugely uh abundant and and by and large uh wasted or at best not well utilized right now yeah lot like thrown away or rolled back into the soil or you know whatever or, or, or burnt on fields yeah it's like a, a lot of rice straw every year is just burnt on the on the in the, in the paddies of southeast asia and not only is that a wasted opportunity, but it's a real local environmental hazard because cities get full of smog. So major issues, not just in terms of inefficiencies, but major issues caused by not using these things. Didn't even think about that part of it that, you know, the, the local community, if they're actually burning the left, what they think are the leftovers because they think <laughs> is actually the rice. Yeah. And so the leftovers yeah. of that, yeah. Yeah, big cities of Asia. Yeah, so so you know Bangkok and Singapore have major issues with these. That is amazing, and I had I had no idea. That's why I really wanted you to share some of that. I I don't know all of the numbers, but I think you have such an opportunity here because these numbers are huge, and people are not taking advantage of utilizing these resources. They really are resources, even though traditionally we haven't had the science or had the know-how of how to make use of them, but you're making use of them to make an ingredient. Well, maybe, probably more than one ingredient, obviously, but I'm thinking about the sugar substitution, yeah. or something that acts like sugar, tastes like sugar, but in our body, it doesn't act like sugar, right? Yes. Yeah, correct. So, so we, um, I mean, maybe I can describe a bit about how we make it, the, the you know, the core ingredient, the, the, the thing we're primarily, the process we've got at market right now it uses uses corn cobs as the as the raw material so that's the inside of a head of corn when you eat off the grain it's the bit that you hold in your hands and you throw away afterwards if you yeah. eat corn on the cob that's that's the raw material you use actually probably what will be scaling in the future will be oat hulls uh, and that's like the seed casing around a grain of oat uh, so if you imagine a, a seed a, a grain of oat on the field it has a, a case around it which is through which has got rid of when porridge or oat milk is made we're well, probably going to scale um with those uh, and then the core to the science of what we do, we take these raw materials, we we, we grind them up, and then we use uh, enzymes from fungi, which which basically 
do the same thing again. They break the break on a on a on a molecular level. They break the fiber that's in the materials down uh, to release um, to release the sugars that are that, that are inside the fiber. Uh, and then we and then we clean up that material, and what comes out the other end is a is a white powder. It looks a bit like powdered sugar, and it can be re- used to replace cane sugar in food products because it's fibers and sugar and these fiber derived sugars behave like cane sugar does in food. But as you said, uh, because it's derived from fiber, your body still um, it still has the maintains health benefits of fiber in your body. So it's still low calorie like fiber. It's still low glycemic like fiber. It's still prebiotic like fiber, despite the fact it behaves like sugar in uh, in, in food products. Okay, this this is revolutionary to me. And uh, I just, as a consumer, I, I don't need enough fiber. And I think we're always hearing about that. You need to get more right. fiber in your diet. Yeah. yeah always, it, it, and it, here I can eat something that tastes like sugar, but acts like fiber in my body. I am sold. It's, it's, if, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not as widely talked about as other sort of macronutrients in the diet. But the reality of it is that fiber is the, the only macronutrient that Westerners don't eat enough of. We all get enough of everything else, you know, sugar and, 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 and carbs and fats and, and proteins. Fiber is the one thing we don't get enough of. And as I say from before, it's actually the most abundant stuff produced on farms. So we have a strange thing where the, the, the thing that farms produce the most of is the one thing we, we don't eat enough of. And it's a very strange um, food system that we've produced that, that manages to do that. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. So you have this ingredient and your, your goal is not to be the manufacturer <clears throat> of the, all the products that use this ingredient. Your goal is to be able to sell this ingredient, provide this ingredient to other manufacturers who want to change their profile of their foods, correct? Or their products on the market. Yeah, I think the, the you know the big opportunity here is 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 to do just that. You know, it, it's uh, it's we can have both from a business perspective as well as from a social and a and a nutritional and a, and a climate perspective. You know, the, the the place where we need to we need to replace sugar in other people's products. We're not going to make our own products and compete everyone off the shelf. So both from an economic standpoint, that's the big opportunity. But also, if we're really going to do anything serious in terms of in terms of human health or in terms of the climate, you know, you need to go to these mass uh, mass market opportunities. We need to put sugar into into or replace cane sugar in 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 mainstream products that are on shelves around the world. Right, which means some of the bigger companies. So if any of you Correct. listening out there with the bigger companies, you can share this with them and let them know there's some great options. Which I'm, I'm sure they're becoming aware of. You know, there are options out there. But you are based in the UK right now. Correct. Yeah. So the majority of the team is in Cambridge, UK. Yeah. Okay. Is your ingredient available wherever people might want it? Like worldwide? Could you get it? So right now, all of our commercial operations are US based. So we're, we're on sale in the US. We're in, pro- we're in about 600 stores across the US right now uh, okay. with initial products. Um, okay. Well, that's exciting. So what are some of those initial products? Like how would we yeah. know that your ingredients in there? Sure. So, so I'll tell you about yeah, that, how we brought this product to market. So about two years ago now, we we partnered with a, a Michelin star chef in the US, a so chef Thomas Keller. He's famous for being the only US chef to have two triple Michelin star restaurants at the same time. So at one point in the deeper starkest history now, two years ago, uh, that was the only place in the world you could get the ingredient was on the dessert menu of the French Laundry in California and um, per se in New York. Uh, we expanded from there since then, but that was that was the starting point. And so, um, as I say, the, you know, the big opportunity here is is, is uh, sugar reduction in multinationals. That's that's absolutely the goal we're targeting. Uh, it's 
it's obviously uh, uh, not a fast process to, to place sugar across mainstream products. And so the initial thing we've done is we we launched a chocolate bar line and a shortbread cookie line with, with Jeff Keller. So we actually run that ourselves. It's branded to plant. Uh, the recipes were formulated by Chef Keller and his team. And so that's what's, that's what's in sale across about 600 stores in, in the US right now. We also have a food service uh, line and food service bakery that's in the initial cafes and restaurants right now and should be in uh, university campuses and healthcare campuses in the US toward the end of this year. Uh, so that, that's sort of where people can find us right now. Well, that's exciting. And I'm US-based. A, a large part of our listenership is US-based. So uh, check out all of that. I actually have the French Laundry cookbook on my shelf. Right. It's a cookbook, so I'm gonna. That's exciting. I didn't realize <laughs> that was the restaurant and all that. So the connection there. So that's that's Thank really you. well. Congratulations on that because you have your foot in the door, and I I can't see where um, this concept will not be popular with some of the other brands because they're the consumers that I know of and the consumer trends have shown we're looking yeah. to reduce the sugar and the carbohydrate in our diet and increase the fiber, but we still want the great taste. That's the challenge right. that we have to overcome. Wow. I think that, you know, the broad proposition is, you know, more healthy and sustainable. There's, there's very few brands that don't want, uh, uh, don't want those things, you know, and certainly don't want to go backward on those things. It'll make less healthy and less sustainable products. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, I think the health thing is really what drives a lot of consumer uh, a movement on shelf. Uh, you know that's always the driver. The nice thing about what we're doing is it's really tied up with the with the sustainability side of it. We, you know we can't make this stuff uh, in a way that's successful and healthy without also being more sustainable. Uh, so we can really package the, in this great story all together, and that's a really unique thing, I think. Right, and for companies that want to want to go and in the direction of being more sustainable, and most of them do, you're a great solution uh, for an ingredient for some of their products. I think I think exactly. that's a major selling point is that front end, I'll call it the front end with yep. the, the source material that you're using. I mean, you're essentially rescuing materials that prior in, in prior farming uh, gets thrown away. Still a lot of it does or burned, or like you said, I mean, otherwise not utilized and, right. and you're utilizing it for, for good, making a great ingredient out of it. So I think I think that's really just a winning combination. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's a plant happen, you know, what happens with the company moving forward. But we've talked about a lot of really, really cool things this morning about what you're doing, Tom. Is there anything that you would, anything else you want to tell our audience or a thought you'd like to leave them with before we go? Anything we didn't cover or uh, something that you're looking at to the future or? I think the uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the future, yeah, you know, sort of w- w- watch this space to see see you know real mainstream expansion of the ingredient and and, and multiple ingredients across the food system. So the, the first thing we launched is the is the sugar, as I say, ingredient to replace sugar in the food system has the the, the health and the sustainability benefits we described just then. And the next thing we actually launched already is doing a similar thing, but for uh, flowers, so we can do what we've doing already for sweet products we can do for savories and the initial applications there we did also with chef keller uh, our pastas and crackers and breads and things like that so there is actually a uh, pastas that people can buy online right now that are, that are made from in a similar way with with uh, the same sort of benefits low calorie low glycemic prebiotic sustainable uh, so, so that's that's all stuff that's sort of coming down the pike and then and then yeah in terms of like the you know the sort of grand vision thing message to leave people with uh, you know it's it's the, the way we like to think about this is is you know the food industry has 
problems. You know, I, I think everyone's aware of, of no, no one doubts the fact that the food industry has major problems to address. Uh, typically, though, we th- the way we see it is people try to address the problem by passing out individual parts of the problem. So they focus on nutrition only, or they focus on sustainability only, or they focus on food security only, if you're an NGO or a government, maybe. Uh, and our position is, while that can be great, it often leads to approaches which are compromises on on different approaches so making more food at the expense of the quality of the food or making more uh, more healthy food but it's less sustainable uh, and, and really so in, in terms of like a you know big vision story big vision idea to leave people with um you know the way we tend to think about the the problems in the food industry and you know very few people doubt that the food industry has major issues uh addressing it that need to be that need to be solved um and the way we what we observe is that a lot of people who try and address the food industry tend to pass out individual pieces of the problem and address them on their own. So they try and focus on nutrition or they try and focus on sustainability or they try and focus on food security. And um, and while that can be uh, good things can come of that, uh, it can often lead to compromises between different approaches. So you can end up with uh, healthier food that comes at the uh, expense of the total output of the food system, or you can get uh, more food, but it's also less sustainable. Uh, and so the, the problem is that you end up with these compromises that I mean you can't be quite sure if we're actually making positive steps forward rather than just trading off different problems for each other. Instead, we think that people, we need to really make sure we think of the food system as a connected uh, body, as a, as a coherent whole. You know, it, it, food system is a system, all these things are connected. Uh, and if you think of it like that, you can really start trying to make positive steps forward on all three fronts at once, or you can pick out solutions that do that. And I think that's that's one of the unique uh, benefits of, of our approach. It really can positive on all three fronts. So if we're successful, as we are being with the with the rollout of the ingredient, we inevitably make healthier, more sustainable and more abundant food altogether. These things are all, all intimately connected. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think the message is just worth sharing. And um, I hope our listeners will share this episode because I, there's just a lot of valuable information for people to think about. Tom, thank you for being with us and for what you're doing at the Supplant Company. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Thanks also to our sponsor, Farm to Plate. They are enabling better food supply chain management. You can check out more at farmtoplate.io. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 